Hi there, I'm Zach Braff. And I'm Donald Faison. We're real-life best friends, but we met playing fake-life best friends, Turk and JD, on the sitcom Scrubs. 20 years later, we've decided to re-watch the series one episode at a time and put our memories into a podcast you can listen to at home. We're going to get all our special guest friends like Sarah Chalk, John C. McGinley, Neil Flynn, Judy Reyes. Show creator Bill Lawrence, editors, writers, and even prop masters will tell us about what inspired the series and how we became a family. You can listen to the podcast Fake Doctors, Real Friends with Zach and Donald on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. It's that time you know you need to sign up for YouTube Music Premium. It is a new app that combines everything you'd expect from a streaming service with the magic of YouTube to bring everything to life. With YouTube Music Premium, you get ad-free music that plays with the screen off or while using other apps. Get music wherever you want it, whenever you want it, even when you're offline. Download the new YouTube Music app today and start a free 30-day trial. Then you just pay $9.99 per month. Terms and restrictions, of course, apply. Just do it, okay? This is a great app. All right, now here's the show. What's up, everybody? How are you doing? I'm Ray Harkins. This is 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I always like to really enunciate the words in the introduction in order to get your attention. <laughs> Anyways, this is the podcast in which I bring on people who are involved in independent music and who have done cool things, who are still involved, who've created music, who've created records, who have created art that profoundly influences us for the rest of our lives, right? I know that sounds dramatic, but it is absolutely true. And I often kind of lose track of that when I'm, you know, kind of churning through these episodes. And it's only when I look back where I'm just like, this is, you know, 300, this has been like almost 70 years of my life. And I look back on the people who I've had on the show and I'm just like, wow, this is like my love letter <laughs> to independent music, which frankly is kind of why I, I do what I do. So anyways, the guest this week is Nate Newton, who is the bass player for Converge and has also played in Jesuit, Old Man Gloom, Doom Riders, you name it. He's probably touched it within the heavy music world. And uh, he's been a person who has circled my orbit for quite some time. I actually, uh, you know, just randomly Facebook messaged him one day and was like, dude, would you be interested in this? And he's like, absolutely. And sometimes I feel weird if I'm like not going through quote unquote official channels, like a publicist or whatever. But, uh, you know, this, this awesome music community is, uh, not about those barriers. <laughs> it's just about like, Hey, you want to, you want to talk? Yeah, sure. That sounds awesome. And so, uh, Nate and I did it and it was such a fun conversation. I will tell you more about it in a moment, but what you need is band merch, right? It is the holidays. They're right upon us. We are like inches away from being Christmas and December, and you need to use the code PCJabberJaw at rockabilia.com. That code will get you 15% off whatever merch you order. You can do, it's a one-stop shop. You can just order like 15 shirts, you know, or maybe you can 13 shirts and like two hoodies, whatever combo you want, you will get 15% off your order. And, uh, this, I just love the company so much because they offer, they have, they say this, I say this all the time. And when I actually think about that number, it's staggering half a million items they have for sale. It's unbelievable. The company relies upon your support and your, uh, interest in music. So please support the supportive, right? That's what I always try to do. 
and Rockabilia has a ton of items from all your favorite bands, and uh, you just need to do that, okay? PC Jabberjaw, 15% off, rockabilia.com. Great partners. I love them so, so much. So that's uh, that, that's that, right? What else has been happening? Well, I'm glad you asked. I am still recovering from the shows I was played like two weeks or so ago, um, and now I'm, I'm setting up interviews with uh, all of the uh, Thursday members who I hadn't... Uh, <laughs> I either hadn't hung out with or spoke to in quite some time. So you'll have that to look forward to in the new year. But what I want from you, the listener, you, I want feedback from like, you know, you you are kind enough and you leave, you know, reviews and occasionally toss me some emails and I appreciate that. Continue to do that. But I, I want you to be directional. I want you to email the show 100 words podcast at gmail.com and you can tell me what uh, what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show, what guests you would like to see for 2019. I just want to get that uh, that feedback going because sometimes I feel like I you know live in a little bubble. I'm just kind of doing my own thing and it's fine and it's fun. But uh, there's sometimes where I'm just like, yeah, am I am I doing okay? <laughs> like, is this what what it is that you want? Um, it's not to say that I will get an email and be like, oh yes, I will absolutely, uh, you know, get that guest or I will adopt that thing into the show. But I just want that feedback. Okay, is is that too much to ask for you? <laughs> you, I'm talking to you. That's a, that's you know, walking your dog right now. <laughs> Anyways, that is uh, that is what I want. That is my December wish for you to you know these emails to kind of trickle in and be like, hey, it'd be great if you had this guest. And I'll, I'll put a caveat on it right now. I do not want emails asking to interview like Ian MacKay or Henry Rollins. Cause you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. Those people have been spoken to for like, I don't know, 15, 20 years about their involvement in independent music. And I don't know what I really could bring to the table. And this isn't like me being, um, I guess defeatist or being like, Oh, I don't know if I could do a good job. Like I, I know I could do a solid enough job, but I just, uh, I really don't want to rehash all the stuff that's been hashed out many times. And I understand there are, many portions of these conversations I have that are, you know, just kind of hashing some respects of old business, whether it's like, you know, a person's upbringing or whatever. But, uh, the way that I, I try to lay it out is very much like it's a, it's a continuum. It shows you the forward momentum of a person of how they got involved, you know, why they got involved, all that sort of stuff. So anyways, just a little caveat. Okay. There are certain people where I'm just, uh, you know, they're, they're, I was going to say they're blacklisted. No, if Henry Rollins came to me and was like, Hey Ray, I'd love to be on your show. Of course I would say yes. But, uh, yeah, I'm just not going to actively pursue that for obvious reasons, like, or uh, not obvious reasons to me. Okay. So just want to put it out there. Anyways, Nate was such a rad sport and <laughs> I love it when I trip people up in the sense of he answers, uh, some biographical questions that I put to him earlier on in our chat where he's like, dude, I've never, I've never revealed this before. And it's never, it, it, it brings me joy in the fact that it's like, oh wow. Like I, f- I'm glad that you feel safe enough to reveal this to me. Cause this is just a fun conversation. I'm not trying to, you know, expose someone's background or get them in trouble or anything like that. But you know, when you have a natural conversation, those are the things that come out. And when you feel safe enough to share that, I, I, I take that as a, a very high honor. So I appreciate that, Nate. I'm very excited to share this episode with you. So here we go. Let's talk to Nate. And I think the first time that I really kind of became aware of you was, uh, so I saw Jesuit Nyer at the barn in Riverside 
and oh yeah oh yeah that was uh anyway was, was that with Fox? yes yes it was yes uh yeah <laughs> yeah i just like came in. yes came in too. exactly that's right the, those tours kind of uh came together because you, you weren't on like all four of you guys weren't on tour together or were you no, but we ended up meeting up on the East Coast, or I mean, sorry, on the West Coast for a few shows. Right, that's right, that's right. Yeah, um, but yeah, it, it was it, it, it was one of those things where that was like the complete confluence of you know all of these you know amazing metallic hardcore bands, and that you know not only your tour, but then the tour, of, you know, with Caven and Botch was like the total embodiment of it. But you know at that show there's probably like i don't know 40 people there or so like maybe yeah that sounds about right yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um i remember it being a good show though i mean it was like yeah my brain is pretty cooked but yeah like i've done so many tours now and played so many shows that it's like hard for me to visualize specific ones but that one i remember does, does, does that place have like didn't have like picnic tables or something and like it, it was it like it, it was open air almost yeah you were very correct let's look at that that's okay you're, you're impressing me and yourself i'm sure at the same time <laughs> it was awesome yeah there was like picnic tables on the outside because it was at it was on a uh, college campus and like you could tell that this was just kind of a a random room that they that's had right. there but uh but yeah but that that you know I think that the, that show in particular was so interesting just because it was like, you know, both you and I are, were this, you know, very dark brooding, you know, metallic hardcore stuff. And, you know, I mean, Kevin and Botch were, were similar ish, but it just really kind of, um, showed all of the different facets that you can have within that sort of, you know, noisy hardcore stuff. Um, it, I mean, did I, I'm sure in retrospect, you can kind of look at that and be like, Oh yeah, I see what you're saying. But I'm sure at the time you were not, I mean, you were just excited to play with your friends. I'm sure. Um, yeah, well, I mean, yes, I can look back on it now and see exactly what you mean. Um, then, yeah, definitely just like to be playing with our friends, but also, you know, I remember thinking back then, like, we've got this whole other thing going on that's not, you know, it's not really connected to what else is happening in the hardcore or metal scenes. Um, and like, you know, I, I, yeah, I just had, I think we all sort of had this vibe that was like, this is our thing. It's a new thing. We don't give a fuck about anybody else's thing. Yeah, it, it definitely, you guys definitely had that attitude. I mean, especially Jesuit and I are to a certain extent where, you know, you were, uh, you know, you were playing in front of people, but you, you know, it, I wouldn't go so far as to call it like, you know, performance art as far as the uh, confrontation is concerned. But you, like you said, that attitude of just like, well, if you're here, like, that's cool. But like, we'll be doing this no matter what. Yeah. I mean, it, we, we definitely had a, and I guess an antagonistic streak. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I don't really know where that came from. It was a weird time in my life for sure. Um, but yeah, like, I, I think, you know, we were so used to going out and playing shows to, you know, five, 10 people, no one caring that it was just sort of like, well, whatever, fuck you, we're doing this. We don't care if you're here. Right. <laughs> That's and I mean I think and true and at that juncture too in punk and hardcore there was no real 
roadmap for a band being able to look at like, Oh yes, this can become a sustainable career. Like that wasn't, that wasn't a notion. That's certainly, I, I don't think any of us ever thought that was a possibility. And, you know, specifically back then, you know, kind of the, the, the really popular stuff was, you know, you're, you're more kind of meat and potatoes kind of like straightforward throwback hardcore, if that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. the, you know, like the kind of worshiping stuff that happened 10 to 15 years before, which is fine, but it just didn't appeal to me. And like, I just, I think all of us really kind of came at, came at the whole scene and touring and playing out, making records with this attitude. Like, you know, we, we're just not interested in what's happening and we want to destroy everything that's happening and make something completely different. And, um, yeah, I know. I think I'm repeating myself right now, but, no, well, I mean, but you're speaking to a, a, a feeling that I think many people have when they look at stuff around them, especially, you know, locally or whatever, where you start playing shows and you start to recognize the sort of bands that are, you know, either playing your shows or the bands that come through on tour. And, you know, because you are usually like a young, dumb kid where you're like, oh, yeah, they're doing that thing. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to zig when they zag. And like, that's just kind of, you yeah. know, part and parcel. Yeah, pretty much. That's. Yeah, that kind of sums it up. You know, like, I got into hardcore when I was pretty young. And, um, you know, I, I feel like, maybe not myself, but, you know, when I got into it, you, you had that last sort of vestige of the, you know, the first and second generation people who, like, when they got into it, they were, you know, like, it was legitimate fuck-ups and people who had nowhere else to go. And so, like, you know, my my introduction to it may have been not what other people had, had been introduced to. It was, you know, it was scary and kind of violent and fucked up and, like, it wasn't a safe environment. And I felt like by that point, things had become really, you know, I, I guess for a lot for lack of a better word, safe and contrived in a lot of ways. And I just wanted to make something and be a part of something that was the opposite of that. That was just, you don't know what's going to happen. And yeah, things could go very wrong or very right. You know, let's see what happens. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Most of the time they went very wrong. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, that, and you know, I, I think when you have that experience, you're able to look at, you know, when you have a good show with anything else, you're like, oh yeah, like that, that's an actual good show as opposed to, you know, the other <laughs> shows where the wheels are falling up, falling off and everything like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, with, the, with that band, like the wheels were never on. Were never, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, the, <laughs> the car never went out, went the, out of the driveway. Yeah. Well, once we got one wheel on, the other one would fall off. So. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. So, kind of, kind of focused on on you as a person. Um, you know, I, I know you were born and raised in Virginia Beach, and you know, you've kind of talked about your family structure as far as like you know, mom and dad and brother in the house. It, it seems like the way that you know you've I've seen you speak about it in the past is that it, you know it's a pretty supportive and, and loving household that you were uh, raised in. Um, was uh, it, it, is that kind of a, a uh, proper characterization? And where, uh, I, I guess, culturally speaking, like where did your family come from? Um, 
Yeah, I guess, I guess that's pretty accurate. You know, I mean, it, it was your sort of classic, boring, suburban uh, youth. Um, so, like, just like, just like anywhere else, you know, you just get fucking bored and right. start doing stupid shit, and that's pretty much what happened. Um, culturally, I mean, you know, my uh, my uh, my. Actually, both of my parents were born and raised in Virginia, so you know they're pretty uh, Southern Virginia. Which, if excuse me, Southeastern Virginia. So if uh, you know if you know Virginia at all, there's a big difference between Southeastern Virginia and other parts. Um, but yeah, you know, pretty. Uh, it, it's it's weird growing up in Virginia Beach. It's like you're there's like this weird sort of mix of like pseudo redneck meets surfer meets like weird military thing going on. Um, my, my family was not a military family, but, um, you know, we were just constantly surrounded by that. Um, my, uh, my grandmother immigrated here in the fifties and, um, yeah. Got it. Where where did she, where did she immigrate from? Uh, from Japan. Okay. that, that's a big uh, it's a big one man I never tell anybody that just because I really like people not knowing what my ethnicity is because well it, I get really funny comments about it well no I <laughs> no and that it, it's funny uh, the the only reason that I, I asked that is because you know there there is this this notion especially in punk and hardcore where it's just like you know it's a bunch of white suburban people and so it's like anytime like I, you know I don't care how old you are when you see a person um, that is you know not a white suburban person it's like oh cool like especially yeah <laughs> especially when you you know first start to go to shows and you actually uh, are starting to wake up to the idea that oh like you know me speaking as a white suburban boy like you know <laughs> i mean this is you know off the beaten topic but you know a band like race trader being like hey uh yeah burn the idol of your white messiah and i'm just like holy shit like <laughs> okay yeah. like yeah maybe maybe my experience isn't the same as everybody else's and so yeah oh yeah very much i mean where, where i grew up like it, it's a strange demographic because of the military and and stuff like so like there, there was a very high asian population so like you know the the shows were pretty mixed um you know like i mean my school was very uh culturally and, and racially diverse and um i mean you know the, the culture just in general of the area reflected that even though you know you had this very kind of conservative military culture happening at the same time. Um, but yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm Hoppa as they say. Yeah, <laughs> no, that, and I, I do think you, uh, it, you speak to the experience of Virginia beach cause it's so, that town is so strange. Like I, I've, I, I've toured and play shows through there. And then also like I, I worked for PETA for five years. So like, you know, went to the Norfolk office and like that whole oh, area. Yeah. yeah. That whole area is so bizarre because it is this confluence of, uh, surf culture, uh, in a way that, yeah, I mean, being from Southern California, like it's inescapable. And so it's weird when another city has it because you're just like, wait a minute, like that's like, that's our thing. Like, I I guess they're surfing in Virginia beach, but like, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, the surf culture there has been huge for a long time. You know, like wave riding vehicles started in, in Virginia beach, you know, and it's, you know, worldwide surf brand, which is, you know, pretty awesome. But, um, 
yeah, like you said, there's like the surf culture, there's the military culture, there's like this kind of wild um, conservative Christian thing going on. Right. You know, and then in the middle of all of it, you know, you have all these bored, suburban, oppressed, well, not not oppressed, repressed. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Youth who, uh, you know, wanted something to do, I guess. So we went to punk shows and we were lucky, you know, being somewhat close to Washington, D.C. And, um, you know, not being too far from being close to Richmond and stuff. So like bands came through, you know, when I was young, there were steady venues, but it, it seems like that has changed quite a bit since I left. Yeah, definitely. It seems to, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like most places when you have a, a transient community of, you know, families and whatever, it's like, yeah, sometimes places are, you know, it's like Las Vegas. Like that's, you know, try to find an all ages venue there that stays there for, you know, more than five years. That just doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty nuts. <laughs> so like you mentioned, you got into like punk and hardcore at a pretty early age. And it's, it sounds like, you know, I've, I've kind of pieced together, uh, some of the stories that you've told as far as like, you know, your, your parents were always into music and, you know, taking you to shows and then understanding the fact that you were into this and not being like, Oh, like Nathan does something weird. We need to like, you know, cut that off at the, <laughs> cut that off at the legs or whatever. Um, do you, I mean, there, there were a couple of little minor moments like that where, you know, I had to have some talks because, you know, like uh, family came over and visited, went through my record collection, <laughs> you know, what, were, like what? reading lyrics to my grandmother and stuff like, right. Yeah. I, like in particular, in particular, um, one of my aunts picked up the first suicidal tendencies album and was reading the lyrics to my grandmother. And then they were, you know, then all of a sudden it was a big deal and they had to have a talk with me. And I'm just like, you know what? The, what are you talking about? Right, it's like I, a comic book. It's, it's like it's. I'm not gonna. Okay, I'm not gonna kill my mommy. I don't even like Pepsi. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? Right, right. Yeah, and you're like, what are you talking about? And you're probably like, this record's been sitting here for like six months, and you haven't questioned it. And then all of a sudden, someone randomly looks at it, and then there's a problem. Yeah, and I'm like, hey, why don't you read this one? And I'll, you know, look at the minor threat record. Read those lyrics. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, you picked the wrong one. <laughs> That's so- yeah. There's a lot of stuff going on here, guys. I'm not stupid. <laughs> no, that's it. That's. A, I mean, I'm stupid, but just not the way you think. I'm stupid. Right. Exactly. <laughs> no, I love that. I love that notion where it's like, yeah, you're, you know, even if you come from a house like you said that is supportive over the things that you get interested in, there is always those moments of like, okay, I think this is a bridge too far. Yeah, you know, and it's funny because you know I remember at a very young age, like you know my my parents were super cool with letting me mess around with their stereo and like putting records on and you know pulling out like Diamond Dogs by David Bowie and Rock and Roll Animal by Lou Reed and shit like that and I'm like these records are fucked up made by junkies and right. you're you're okay. fine <laughs> and you're you're like you're getting angry about some you know garage band of you know that's a couple of teen or a few teenagers making up legitimately silly stupid songs to make themselves laugh right. like that's yeah okay 
yeah. It's like, you know, I, I think maybe, uh, you know, their, their head was like, okay, well, you know, Nate is not going to know that these guys were strung out in heroin, you know, like, uh, just all of the dark stuff that, you know, you can get when you actually listen to the record, but they were like, Oh, maybe he's protected from that. But these guys talking about kale. Come on. Lou Reed had, I mean, I, I know Lou I know. had a song called heroin. heroin I know. <laughs> That's true. That's but yeah, cool. Yeah. It's suicidal tendencies, which is obviously a joke. That's a big deal. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's, that's called a double standard. Thanks mom and dad. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. You yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. They were young. My parents are super young, so it's all good. Right. 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 Um, and and so, I don't even think they wanted to have a talk with me about it. They were just like, uh, okay, let's maybe just cover those up when your grandmother comes over. Right. <laughs> Put those in the closet, Nate. Come on. Casper Mattress is the best thing that you will ever sleep on. They are a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. They got three models, okay? The original Casper, the Wave, and the Essential. Their mattresses are perfectly designed to soothe and cradle your natural geometry. Did you think you were a math problem? Well, Casper knows. Not to mention super breathable design that helps you sleep cool and regulates your body temperature throughout the night. Plus, it's delivered to your door in a small, how do they fit that in there, sized box with free shipping and returns in the U.S. and Canada. The best part is that you can absolutely be sure about your purchase because they have a 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. You spend a third of your life sleeping, so you should absolutely be comfortable. I cannot tell you how much I enjoy my Casper. I tell anybody who asks me or I hear a conversation about mattresses, I chime in on social media, whatever it is, Casper is the best. I sleep on it every night and I slept on it every night for about two, two and a half years. I love it so, so much. And plus, my wife loves it. Then that's, that's an added bonus. My son keeps requesting a Casper for him. I'm like, yo, dude, wait till you grow up a little bit, okay? I can't just, can't just drop Drop another mattress on you. You're st- you still have your own mattress, okay? But anyways, you need to get $50 off towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash words and using the code words at checkout. That's casper.com slash words, offer code words, and you will get $50 off. That's like me giving you, you know, a good, like maybe a month's worth of really good sleep, okay? <laughs> Terms and conditions, of course, apply, but Casper is the best. I love them so much, and you need to try them out, Okay. You know, I find it interesting now that, you know, people like, you know, you and I who have existed within this, the the context of this music scene for a while, like now that we have children, um, you know, does that, does that kind of, uh, I guess, permissiveness of what your parents, you know, did to you, does that kind of, uh, I guess, ping pong around your head as you are raising your own children? Or is that something that, um, you know, you're uh, conscious of, but you don't actively think about it? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty open to letting... letting my uh, my kid you know just listen to music and check out art I mean you know uh, within reason you know I'm not gonna pull out a Cannibal Corpse album and be like here yeah <laughs> check this out check out Hammer Smash Face you're gonna love it <laughs> right yeah. how, how about the um, how about the deep cut of uh, Entrails Ripped from a Virgin's Cunt you gonna be into, into that one <laughs> it's like oh, yeah and yeah. you're not you know we're not gonna we're not gonna listen to Gizm records together but you know right she you know, my kid likes bad brains and stuff like that. And that's fine by me. Yeah. You know? No, that's cool. Um, the, you've always, this is me kind of playing sort of, uh, you know, uh, I wouldn't even call it armchair psychologist, but just, you know, observing you cause I've seen you play in many different iterations and, um, you know, seen converge probably more times than I could count. Um, 
you oh boy, yeah no i know this this will be good i mean this is not going to surprise you but uh you, you've always struck me as you know the guy that is uh coming into a room kind of both guns blazing um you know and like not in a dickish way but just in a like hey there's nate like you know he's 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 maybe the loud guy he's maybe the funny guy um has that no i and honestly like yeah. I, this is not coming from a judgmental place at all um no no i i uh, yeah, I understand. But has that always kind of like been who you are? Have you have you always kind of been that person that's um, um, you know basically come into a room and and people have to uh, kind of uh, grapple with uh, with you whether they like you or whether they uh, they don't like you? Um, I don't. I guess that's kind of tough to answer. I mean, I want to say no, sure, um, because you know when I was. I, I, I specifically remember being kind of the opposite of that when I was young. And when, uh, when I was thir- 13, 12 or, th- 12 or 13, I think 12, um, my family moved to Atlanta for a year. Just, we kind of got uprooted and like, I, you know, didn't have any friends and went from, you know, this like super, surf culture kind of spot where, you know, my dad surfed and like we, we left a place where I was comfortable and moved to Georgia, rural Georgia, um, not Atlanta, actually outside of Atlanta. And, uh, you know, to this completely just different kind of place and like nobody was feeling my vibe. And so I, I was just kind of like, all right, well, you know, I could just, be miserable and fucking sit in the corner. I've got to figure out how to make friends with people. And so maybe that's kind of like, it it came from being self-conscious, I guess, like, just like, like, ah, I'm just going to be loud and fucking ridiculous and wear it almost as a mask and like, um, kind of push myself into these situations so that once I'm comfortable, I can then, turn it down a few notches i guess i don't know no I, now that, no, at this point in life i don't even know i guess it's just the way i operate and like i've kind of come to the conclusion that in life that you know most of the time like you said earlier for me it's i, I just find it easier to just throw all the cards out on the table and just be like this is what i am mm-hmm. if you're cool with it hang out if you're not cool with it there's the door Right. You know. No, <laughs> I, I, I can understand and, and empathize with that. Cause yeah, there definitely is, you know, people, no, I mean, no matter, you know, what sort of, uh, you know, group of friends you are with in high school, like there's always going to be that person that, you know, is going to be, you know, the louder one or the one that's going to be like, Hey guys, we got to do this stupid thing because it'll be fun. Like you always need that person yeah. in the group. And, uh, you know, you don't think about it in those terms of, like you said, laying the cards out on the table, but, um, it's true where if you're at a, you I know, mean, I, I've got plenty of cringeworthy moments that I think about <laughs> and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm such an obnoxious fucking idiot, man. But, um, sure. Yeah. Like, I mean, especially like what you were saying earlier with, with, um, kind of knowing me through music and, and like seeing my bands play and stuff like a lot of that is like, I, I get like crazy stage fright. And I get like super, super anxious before I play a show and I have to like 
get myself into this mindset where it's like, I'm going up there and I'm just going to do it, you know, it, like to the point where it's, it's like, I'm going to just put everything into it. I don't know what it's going to be, but when I get up there, I'm just doing it and it might be horrible, but <laughs> right, right. you know, it could, like I said earlier, it could be great or it could be terrible, but, um, I'm just going to do it and own it and see what happens. Yeah. Well, and I, I do think, uh, I mean, especially in the context of, of, you know, what you've, you've been doing for most of your musical life and playing with Converge, you know, Converge, you know, rightly or wrongly is a, you know, quote unquote serious band. You know, it's for, it's for yeah. the artistic expression is very serious, but then, you know, anybody that were to see you guys live would realize that there's, you know, a yin to that yang. And like, you know, you definitely step into that void of just like, well, yeah, we're, like we're, we're producing serious art, but like, we know how to make fun of ourselves. Like we know how to be self-deprecating you know yeah well you know like when it gets too heavy you know i mean certain bands they can do that and and they transcend their seriousness and it takes you to another place like neurosis is one of those bands where like they're, they're taking you on a journey you know there's there are other bands that you know get on stage and have this like we're a serious bunch of artists kind of vibe and it like it just it just sucks you know it's it's just like this isn't fun i'm not enjoying this i feel like i'm supposed to be watching you and finding some sort of artistic fucking you know catharsis in this and i'm not and it's and i'm just bored mm-hmm. so like i i feel like what's missing from a lot of bands that have serious kind of, um, you know, I, I don't know what, whatever the, like serious material is, is, um, the lack of humanity in it, you know, like it's, I just, I want to get up there and, and put on a great show and play and give it my all. But I also want people to walk away from it feeling like, you know, those were people up there doing that. And they showed me that I could, do the same thing if I wanted to, you know, like the, it, I don't know. You, you need something to connect with people more than just your music. You know, you need to be connecting with them on a, on a human level. And I don't, you know, I, I, I guess that's what it, what I'm going for with that, with in converge at least. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, I agree wholeheartedly. Cause yeah. Otherwise when, there's this this notion of feeling like these impenetrable humans because you know they're uh you know you whatever some 17 year old kid seeing converge for the first time is looking at you know 40 year old guys absolutely shred and they're just like there's no way that i could like do that in some capacity and then like you know you like if they were to speak to you you would be like oh yeah you could do this probably like 10 times better than we can so like don't feel don't feel that barrier between the crowd and the audience you know yeah, and I've had that conversation many times. You know, like I, I've had, like I, I couldn't tell you how many times this was like my thing that I love. Have, I've always loved to do is like you know meet a kid after a show and he's like especially a young kid and I've never seen you. I love your band, blah blah blah. You know, and I'm like, awesome. You play music? Yeah, but and I'm like, what do you mean, but? You know, like. The next time we come back here, I want you to come to the show and I want you to bring me your band's demo or your, or your band's record, even, you know, like make it happen. You know, like, I guess for me, that was always like a big, I don't know, a a big reason why I was always driven is because there were 
people older than me who, who were doing it before me who made that same, who pushed me the same way. You know, like, like I said earlier, growing up in Virginia, we were lucky to be so close to Richmond. And, you know, I, I remember in high school seeing a veil play, you know, every other week or whatever. And, you know, one day I, uh, I started this really horrible band with some friends from high school and, you know, we were having fun and I, we went to an avail show and like, I had some, I had my demo tape and like, I remember, you know, plain as day, Tim walking by me and seeing me holding a stack of demo tapes. And he was like, that's your band. You have a demo. And I was like, yeah, he's like, I want to buy one. And you know, I was like, buy one. No, here, right. I'll give it to you. And he was just like, no dude, I'm buying it. And then he was like, so stoked. And then I remember getting a phone call from him. Like, you know, he got, got my number from the demo and like getting a call from him, like two weeks later, like, Hey man, we want you to come play some shows with us, you know? And like being like super encouraging, like just because there was another, you know, there was a new punk band from Virginia. They were psyched. And like, so I've always like, that's as, as cheesy as it sounds, that's like a thing that I feel like we need to kind of pay forward. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, that's sort of my what I've always tried to do. Sure, sure. Well, I, I think there's a difference in the train of thought where, you know, like you view this as an obligation and not like a, a weighty obligation, but something that is important to you. So that's why you focus on it. And I think like, you know, people that, uh, you know, forget that, like that's when, you know, their, uh, you know, th their band or their art has kind of become so elevated that, you know, people probably have, uh, you know, they, they might have an easy time consuming it, but then it just becomes these untouchable people that are creating things that no one has any idea to, of, of how to start, you know? So I think that's, that's a really important point. Yeah. You know, it, it's for me, what drew me to hardcore is that it was a, you know, a people's medium and anyone could do it. There, there wasn't much of a difference between the audience and the, and, and the band on stage. I mean, you know, I've said this in a million interviews, but like, I firmly believe that that's what made it so powerful, you know? And so, like you said, it's, it, it's an obligation, at least to me it is, you know, and that goes for pretty much everything in life, whether it's music or art or skateboarding or doing literally doing anything, starting a business, doing anything positive in your life. Like, you know, I've never been like the positive hardcore guy or anything, but you know, I've also always been like, fuck yeah, man, do it. You can do this. Totally. You know, like, it's, I don't know, it makes me happy to do that. So yeah, absolutely. No, I, I totally get that. In a world where everyone is confined to their homes, society begins its largest bin watch to date in the hallowed library of Hulu, or perhaps on a shelf of DVDs you haven't looked at in a decade is a show that perfectly encapsulates life in the early aughts and launched a friendship that would inspire millions. Hi, I'm Zach Braff. And I'm Donald Faison. In 2001, we starred in Scrubs, a sitcom that revealed a glimpse of what it was like to survive a medical internship. As Turk and JD, we explored guy love. Nearly 20 years later, a lot has changed. We're not supermen, but we're still best friends. Eh. Given the mandatory lockdown, there's no better time to relive the series that brought us together in the first place. 
and we're doing it with a podcast. That's right, people. We're going to bring friends and crew members and fellow cast members and writers. And and guess what? We're going to even invite some of you to call into the podcast and ask all the questions you want of the entire Sacred Heart staff. Join us for Fake Doctors, Real Friends on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. There is no reason that you need to be using terrible luggage, and I am here to solve your problem. Away has the perfect gift for everybody that is on your list. Away creates a thoughtful standard for modern travel with universal pieces that reflect your own style and make every single trip so much easier. They've considered all types of travelers making their carry-on bags, which are available in two sizes and come with an optional ejectable battery that charges your phone up to five times. Plus, they have four 360-degree spinner wheels, a removable washable laundry bag, a TSA-approved combination lock, and an interior compression system that lets you pack more. Shop the Away carry-ons in Away Signature's German polycarbonate or aluminum alloy. Both are guaranteed for life. I love Away so much. I got this suitcase probably about a year and a half ago, and basically every single trip I've taken from a weekend to you know being gone for two weeks, being on tour, whatever the case may be, Away is always traveling with me. It makes it so much easier to pack, super sturdy. There, the, anytime anybody sees this luggage, they're like, yo, what is that? I tell them it's Away. Why, why have you not purchased this yet? And then I give them the website and boom, done. So get $20 off your first suitcase visit awaytravel.com slash words and use promo code words during checkout that's awaytravel.com slash words and use promo code words during checkout for twenty dollars off a suitcase because this season everyone wants to get away <laughs> you see what i did there okay now on with the show kind of a- along those same lines uh you- you've always uh, you know like you mentioned earlier with with stage fright and um you know the fact that you get nervous before you play like that you know that's kind of a common experience but there's always in there's been an air of uh like confidence about you where it's like you know you're you're comfortable in your own skin and you know a lot of that obviously becomes uh you know when you're an adult like you don't really care about what other people think from that perspective um has, yeah. has the confidence kind of always been there in some capacity or, or is it, um, you just basically were able to kind of step into it as you got older? I mean, a lot of the confidence really is just completely a farce. Like it's, it's sure. literally me convincing myself, like you're confident you're doing this, you know, like being, being that, you know, that cheesy dude staring in the mirror, like you can do this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I mean, not, not actually doing that, but you, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, the self-talk, but yeah, like, I mean, just th- that's the bottom line with, with a lot of stuff in life. It's just convincing yourself enough that you can just make yourself start doing it. And then once you're in it, then it's like, okay, you can kind of lose yourself in it, you know? And that's, I mean, even still to this day, you know, we play shows where I'm just like, fuck, how am I going to play this show? Like, oh my God, I'm freaking out. <laughs> right. And, and you're literally just like, okay, fuck this, turn it off. You're going into kill mode right now. Like, <laughs> Totally. You Turn take, it off. Take no prisoners. You're not here. You're not at this show. We're going out there. You're going to hurt yourself. You're going to hurt whoever comes near you. Like, is I know how dumb and cheesy that sounds, but like, you know, a lot of like the, you know, shredding and jumping and going nuts stuff is literally just 
trying to shake that off. Yeah. Nervous energy. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. (laughs) Totally. Totally. No, that's cool. Um, it's, it sounds to me with your, um, you know, you, once you got into like punk and hardcore and started playing and, you know, lift and channel and all the, the earlier bands that you were doing, um, like, did you care about school or did, was it one of those things where you were just like, I just want to skate and play in bands. Like school is, is a, is a distant third. Dude, I sucked at school. Okay. (laughs) Like I, I just, I never had interest in it. I, yeah, I'm sure that I had some sort of like a tip attention problem. Like I, I, you know, I just couldn't fucking focus. I couldn't pay attention. The only thing I've ever been able to focus on is music. And, um, yeah, like much to my family's chagrin, like I, I, you know, I got through high school and was like college. Fuck. All right. Sure. I guess I'm supposed to go to college. Sure. And I, I went to community college for like a semester and was just like, yeah, this, I can't do this. <laughs> I, like I literally just couldn't fucking, I, I couldn't, couldn't concentrate, couldn't keep up, didn't know what was happening. All I wanted, yeah, it's like you said, all I wanted to do was just play music and skate. Sure. You know, for better or worse, um, I guess that could have gone any number of directions I've been really lucky obviously but like um you know I know other dudes who who were the same way that just piled out big time you know so yeah Yeah. I don't know I've been lucky yeah for sure and I presume because of uh that you know the fact that you were just like well whatever I, I just care about playing in bands and skating there was no sort of uh, I guess career focus or trajectory of like, Oh, this is how I'm going to make money later on in life. It's like, nah, I, I'll figure that out when I have to. No. Nah, yeah. I never cared. I mean, it was, it was literally like, Oh, I'm broke. I better get a job. Right. <laughs> I got to work at the bagel <laughs> store. Job or sucks. Right. <laughs> yeah. This job sucks, but whatever, I can still skate and play music. Right. It'll allow me to tour. Yeah. yeah and then it was like, Oh yeah, I want to go on tour. Oh, well we can't give you the time. I quit. <laughs> <laughs> Like, that's amazing whatever yeah <laughs> Even, i can just i can just envision it where it's like they're not even through with the sentence and you're just like that's fine turning in your apron <laughs> just like walking yep. out <laughs> numerous times i've done that you know and i don't advise that as a life plan to anyone listening to this right um but yeah yeah that was your path that's fine and that and yeah we're we're not offering an advice column this is uh you know this is simply just your story <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you know, you got to be smart about the decisions you make too. Like, I mean, I, you know, when I joined Converge, I was already friends with like good friends with them. I was already a fan. Um, and I could see the potential that they had as a band, you know, like they were, I mean, they were already a, a great band, but like, um, you know, I, I remember, uh, you know, like talking to Jake about, about music and all the stuff he was into and just thinking, why aren't you, well, you should be incorporating these influences that you love so much into what you're doing. And and then like, you know, Kurt giving me like his project bands, demo tapes, like the Huguenots. And I remember listening to that and being like, Kurt, what the fuck? This is so good. Why aren't you, why aren't these riffs in Converge songs? You know, like, Oh, because Converge is more metal. Like who fucking cares? What? I mean, and so, but yeah, like I never thought that Converge could ever possibly be a thing that made money. 
but I, you know, when, when the opportunity for me to, to start playing with them came up, like I definitely saw the potential to make music with some people who like were on to some different shit. You know what I mean? That were like, I was like, this could musically, this could go in, in a really interesting direction. And I really want to be a part of that. Yeah, absolutely. Right. It's, and that, that actually, uh, dovetails into a question I was going to ask. So like when you, um, you know, when you joined Converge, like you said, they're, you know, they had, they had a reputation, they already existed for a, a while. They were a touring act, like all of these things existed where it was like, you know, you were stepping onto, um, you know, a train that was already moving as opposed to, you know, hasn't left the station, pardon the horrible analogy yeah. there, but, um, no, I mean, this <laughs> makes total sense. Um, so like, you know, as you started to, you know, get involved in this world where you were playing, you know, the biggest shows you've ever played and, you know, on the tours that you were just like, wow, I, I can't even believe I'm here. Um, you know, what are some, uh, sort of, I know you said earlier, your brain is fried, but <laughs> what are some early moments like, you know, as you started to go out with Converge, whether it's from a touring perspective or, you know, writing music with them or whatever the case may be that kind of stood out where you were like, I, I really can't believe I'm like here doing this right now. I mean, I remember my very first show with converge it was it was crazy the first i think it was the first crazy fest and so it, it was packed i mean there was there were like two thousand people there and that's like <laughs> yeah for a, for a hard i mean that's a lot for a hardcore show now but for a hardcore show in 1998 you know like that was unheard of and so like we were like this is the biggest thing that's ever happened and I just got in the van with these guys yesterday and I only started trying to learn the songs four days ago. So what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) I don't really know these songs, so I'm just going to jump around and go crazy. And, um, but I just remember like, I I remember that being a a moment where I was like, Holy shit, this is, and and I don't mean the, the band. I mean, just, hardcore and punk and everything in general, I remember standing up there and just thinking like, wow, this is so much bigger than me and my friends. Like there, you know, there's something here and I'm really psyched to see what happens with it. You know? Sure. Yeah. This is definitely uh, like of a different level that, you know, you, you did not experience before. So yeah, I could, I could easily see which, yeah, it's like, it's not just, yeah. and, and then we left from there and played to, you know, 20 people every night, but right. you know, yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, that whole first tour was very much, you know, like that for, for me, I think for all of us in a way, like, um, it was, you know, I felt like I'd finally met people that were, were was, making music with people who were on the same page as far as not just wanting to make good music, but like wanting to go out there and, you know, just crush. I don't know. I sound like a fucking jock right now. No, (laughs) no, no, dude. Well, I remember this, one of my most uh, crystallized memories of seeing you guys was at, uh, it's like new England metal and hardcore festival. Um, I was there because I, I worked for that label century media records for like 10 years doing A and R and stuff. And so like, we always had a table there. So I think it was, gosh, I want to say it was like maybe, I don't know, 2002, whatever it was early two thousands. But I just remember it was like, 
you know, that that's a weird festival to begin with. And you have, yeah, you know, you, right. <laughs> and you have like all of these, you know, metal kids conflicting with hardcore kids. And like, you know, that, that was clearly more of a dividing line at that time. But I just remember, I, I think you guys were, um, like, I don't know, either there was like a delay, you, you get your set time was delayed or whatever. And so like, I could tell there was a sense of uh, urgency <laughs> that you guys were just like, let's, let's, let's play, let's just do this. And so like, I remember Jake coming out there and just being like, you know, we're converge, fuck you. And I just remember being like, Oh, Oh hell yeah. Like I just felt that, uh, intensity where you guys were just like, we, we don't care if there's, you know, 40 people here. I mean, there at the time there was, like you said, you know, two- uh, yeah, I, I, I remember that that night actually, um, <laughs> we, we, we were like, I just, I remember us being really fucking angry that we were even there. Right. (laughs) Totally. Like we were like, what the fuck are we, who are all these fucking bullshit washed up metal band? Like, Oh, I sound like such a dick right now. I like, no, but but I just remember being like, this isn't fucking who we are, what we're about. What the fuck are we doing here? Fuck everything. Fuck everybody. Let's just destroy the stage. Right. Yeah. And, but I mean, honestly, like as a, whatever, I mean, in my early twenties and like, I definitely felt the weight of that show. Like I, you know, I had gone to metal shows before, but it was like, it really felt strange that day. Like it was oppressive and watching you guys do that. I was like, I mean, I was already, you know, all in on converge, but like that just made me like you guys that much more where I was like, Oh, they, they felt what I was feeling of just like this palpable, like just crap that was in the air. Thanks. I mean, I mean, you know, uh, I think I don't know how to put it into words, but like, you know, kind of going back to what I said about earlier about that Jesuit botch tour and how like there was this kind of status quo in the, in the punk hardcore scene and the metal scene. And, you know, I just remember, you know, not being into any of it or satisfied by any of it in, in any way. And, you know, not to, not to shit on anybody else's, um, expression. Everyone should, everybody should fucking just do whatever the fuck they want to do. Like make the noise they want to make. But like, you could, you could tell when it was contrived and you could tell when it was trying to adhere to some stupid rule book. And like, it just used to make me fucking sick. You know, like it, I would just be like, why do you even do this? If, if all you're trying to do is, you know, wear a uniform and make music that's just as much of a uniform as your clothes. Like, I don't get that. Yeah. And so I think one of our goals was always just to show the people it was okay to not be satisfied with that. And to it was okay to voice your opinion on it. And it was okay to do something else and do your own thing. And like, you know, I don't know if we succeeded in that, but that was, you know, I, th- I think that was a big, um, motivator for us. Sure. Sure. No, I, I totally, yeah, I, I, I see that. And I, I think that's what, I mean, you know, there, there's many things that I'm sure you and the rest of the guys in Converge can attribute to your longevity, but it's the fact that there, you know, there's this underlying at this point, there's an, you know, been an underlying mission statement for a long time now. And there's been a focus. And I think that's what, 
is able to keep things going on and then plus the fact that you guys are responsible adults like those are that that's a, a lethal combo when you put those two we're, we're learning yeah 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 i mean whatever you're adult you're wearing adult clothing occasionally that's fine um yes yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah i mean it, it's always just been about trying to make music that we enjoy you know make a record that you would buy that you would listen to you know and that's that and like try to be welcoming to people while at the same time making it clear that we're not going to stand for your half-assed bullshit. Yeah, totally. No, and I, I think that's what people, you know, very much identify with, but, um, there's a, f- a few last things I want to hit on before I let you go was the, um, sure. The, you know, the, the fact that, uh, you know, you, you joined Converge kind of, you know, uh, midstream, so to speak. And then, you know, you had experience with, you know, Channel and Jesuit kind of the, the business aspect of the band, you know, from booking the shows to the fact that like, oh, we get paid a thousand dollars for the show. And like, you know, how are we dividing this up and all that sort of stuff? Um, you know, this is me just kind of, you know, placing something on you, but, um, the business sure. aspect, <laughs> the business aspect of the band, has that, uh, interested you or have you like kind of deliberately avoided it under most circumstances or is it something that you're just like you you've learned to become engaged with it uh I, i've learned to become engaged with it but <laughs> okay. overall like i don't really care that much you know as long as no one's getting ripped off then you know then it's cool that's right. that's basically my my you know my feeling on it and um we try to be as fair and open as we can about stuff and that's about it. You know, like it, you know, it's for very different people who, you know, I mean, we all have a common goal, but like everyone's opinion is different. And so, you know, everything's a compromise. Everything is like, all right, if you're cool with that, I'm cool with that, you know? And ultimately, like if you get too caught up in the business side of it and the financial side of it, then, that's going to kill your band because it just makes people angry and jealous and spiteful. And so we all are like, you know, all right. Yeah. If you're cool with that, I'm cool with that is nobody's getting ripped off. We're good. Let's fucking move on. Let's make some music. Right. 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 It's like, these are decisions that have to be made. Let's talk about it, share our opinions and then, but yeah, not dwell on it. Just move on from it. Yeah, pretty much. And I mean, you know, like for example, um, I, I don't know how a lot of other bands operate, but um, like songwriting, you know, a lot of other bands, they don't like we split all of our songwriting credit or music writing credits, like evenly four ways between the four of us. Like if we played on it or if you played on it, then you helped write it because it would, what, what we ended up with would not have been the same without, the four of us in that room. So, you know, and, and that's really just because none of us really want to argue about it or, you know, like we, we could nitpick and be like, I wrote more of this song, than you did, but, <laughs> right. but I wouldn't have written the song if I wasn't in the room with you. So who cares? Like, you know, I, I know other bands who really are like super nitpicky about that stuff. Like, well, you know, that this one's my song, so I'm getting all the credit for this and I'm getting all the royalties. And it's like, those bands always had problems, you know, it, it, it's like, why do you, you're, you're like literally fighting over a percentage of crumbs right now. Like who gives a shit? Like <laughs> right. if everybody's equal and everybody's happy, then you're all going to move forward together doing, you know, 
doing what you all want to be doing. And so I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's my general attitude about pretty much every aspect of, you know, of the way the band, the band is run, you know, obviously different when it's like someone is very obviously doing more work in one aspect than, than the other, than that person needs to be compensated for. Like Jake doing visuals or Kurt with recording, like obviously like we, you know, Ben and I don't, <laughs> like don't deserve any of that, but like, you know, we just want to make sure that everybody's fairly taken care of, you know? Sure. Oh, I, no, absolutely. I totally get it. And especially too, I think ultimately there has to be a perspective on it where, you know, when you are writing the type of music that Converge is like, you're, you're really, you know, you're really, like you said, going to be so caught up in like, you know, five percentage points, you know, that makes a difference if you are writing, you know, pop songs, but like, you know, the, yeah. it's not like you're writing the, the single that's going to be played on every, you know, Super Bowl commercial or whatever. And it's like, you know, for every commercial placement you guys have gotten, it's because it's been like, you know, this really sought out deliberate thing, uh, as opposed to like, Oh, this is, you know what? Yeah, I think Broken Vow is really going to do it for this commercial or whatever. And it's like, no, that, yeah. So, yeah, you, you have to keep it in Yeah, that's never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, you know, and it's, it's it's like, oh, okay, you might get $15 more than I did on a fucking royalty check. Like, who the fuck cares, dude? Yeah. I'll buy you a burrito and we're even. <laughs> totally. Here's a, it's cool. Here's a Starbucks gift card, man. We're, go- we're good, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Like who cares? It doesn't matter. Like that's not why we're doing this. We're doing this to make music that we want to make. Right. And we're, we're so fucking lucky that, that there's money coming in from it. We're so lucky that people care. <laughs> yeah. We're so fucking lucky that we're able to tour and play this, these songs that, you know, that we made for people. And, and so like fucking arguing over shit like that, it's just dumb. Like what, why, why would you do that? Sure. It's corrosive. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, so, something that I found, uh, so extremely interesting. So I, I just saw you guys when you came through with uh, neurosis at the observatory here in orange County. Um, oh, nice. and it was, yeah, I mean, you, you got like, like I said, I mean, I've probably, and this isn't like, you know, Hey, you should like me more Nate because I've seen your band a ton of times, but it's like, I've legitimately <laughs> seen, I've legitimately seen you guys like 40 plus times. Um, and that's amazing. It, it, well, it, some people may say that some people may say you're a little crazy, but that's okay. Um, the, the thing hey, that whatever, I, dude, yeah, it's cool, man. I, I like you. Go to shows. Have fun. Exactly. <laughs> but the thing that really struck me and, and I've seen neurosis like many times as well. And so, uh, you know, here are two bands that are, you know, uh, I mean, clearly neurosis has existed longer than you guys. And, you know, there is a, a lineage in both of your bands that, you know, most people would look at and be like, Oh yeah. Like neurosis, like, yeah, pretty good band, you know? And like converge, yeah, pretty good band. Like, you know, people will have opinions of the music, but like, you know, most people aren't like, throwing crap at your bands, uh, you know, unobjectively because, you know, you've paid your dues, you've done your time, but, and I'm sure I will, you you will remember this where it's like, you guys were getting, I wouldn't say heckled, but there were definitely people who had no context for who Converge was at all. And, oh yeah. And there, and I know that that happens on a lot of tours you guys have done with, you know, death clock and whoever else, but I just was, you know, here you guys are existing for a band that, you know, whatever, 30 ish years, like roughly speaking. Um, yeah. And 20, 20, I don't know, almost 30. Yeah. yeah, Right. You're, you're, yeah, I'm rounding up. I apologize. But the, 
fa- no worries. Yeah, the fact that there were like, I, and I was standing next to guys who were just like, you know, like die hipster scum, and I was just like, in my head, I was like. I don't know how you can say that. Like, I mean, and yes, I can. Oh, dude, those guys are, you know what? Those dudes are, who cares what those dudes think? Those guys, like, hating on hipster hipsters is a thing that people who were hipsters two years ago did. Right. Do. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like, dude, okay, you're just, all you're doing right now is outing yourself as a fucking idiot that doesn't get it. Like, when like when people talk about hipsters, I'm like, what's a hipster, man? It just sounds to me like you're talking about young people, or just people who dress differently than you. Like, just don't dress like them, dude. It's right. cool. Do yeah. your own thing. <laughs> who gives a fuck? But yeah, like with people heckling, I don't give a shit, man. Whatever. No, and you and yeah, I, and you you. I don't want you to like my band. I'm trying. I'm trying hard up here to get you to not like me. So right, you know, like fuck off whatever right no and 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 you and jake you know handled it like it's not like you guys were rattled by it and i mean i wasn't the only thing that rattled me was the fact like you know as i left the show it was one of those things where i was like you know what like no matter what you do and you can be doing something for a long period of time people are always going to think you suck like just unquestionably oh, yeah. and, and it, it just, I don't know. It like, like I said, it got me really thinking where I'm just like, Oh yeah, here's this institution of two bands, you know, neurosis and converge, like where most people would, like I said, kind of be like, Oh yeah, like, yeah, converge, like good band. Like no one's going to be like, Oh God, screw that band, you know? But that, yeah, that oh, got, I don't know. Yeah, There's I don't know. some people that are definitely like that. <laughs> but yeah, I just, it, so anyways, that I guess there, there isn't necessarily a question tied up in it, but I presume that's kind of a perspective that you, uh, you know, you, uh, I guess incorporate in your life where it's just like, no matter what we do, people are always going to think like, you know, our last, our, our, our first seven inches better and we suck now, or, you know, people are always going to think we suck in some capacity. Yeah. I mean, that's just, uh, yeah, that's just the way it is. I mean, like with anything you do creatively, once you put it out there into the world, you have no control over it. You have, it's not yours anymore. You, you, you literally can't control the way people interpret it. And, you know, like trying to get them to like you is it's futile. It's stupid. It's pointless. You know, you're not going to make someone like you. You just do what you do. And they either will try and try and figure you out and learn how to like it if they didn't like it, or they just won't like it. And you're, no worse off than you were before they heard your, didn't hear your band. You know what I mean? Like totally who cares? Yeah. Moving around. I mean, it's, it's, it's surprising to somewhat to get that, you know, like on a tour with a band like neurosis, because it's kind of, usually their fans are really, you know, open-minded and plugged into what's going on. And so like, you know, of course that happened in orange County (laughs) and like, (laughs) totally, you know, like when you get the people that are just so hung up on like the way things are packaged or so hung up on genre or like what's cool and what is it and how things should be classified. It's like, well, dude, you, you don't get it already. If that's the way you think about things, like who mm-hmm. fucking cares, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing this to impress you. Totally. Yeah. And it, to your point, it definitely does feel where it's like, yeah, I think like in my, in my head too, I was thinking, okay, like a person that isn't even 
just tangentially familiar with converge that is going to a neurosis show like i'd be like you haven't heard converge at all like just a song in passing if you already piped into heavy music like you would think that someone would have already been like okay like you know i heard converge i think they suck but i'm not going to show up early and heckle them but yeah that's that's what people do (laughs) Eh, yeah i mean that was a very rare occurrence i think that's probably i mean that is the only time that happened on that tour and it's been a very very long time since that happened yeah you know like when we toured with death clock it happened every night sure you know like people fucking hated us on that tour you know they just didn't know what to think and like we you know because they came into it knowing death metal and knowing like other forms of like kind of mainstream metal or just knowing a cartoon and like that was their idea of what extreme was, you know, like, and so then we play and it's like, what the fuck is this? Like, this doesn't even sound like music to me. I don't even know how to, how to process this. Right. And, you know, and, and like for me, like when I see something like that, that I don't know that I don't understand, my first thought is I want to know what this is all about. Like, where's this coming from? What is this? You know, I want to know more about this. I want to understand it. And other people, it, it just challenges them too much and they fucking hate it. That's their first, their, you know, their first reaction. Fuck this. I hate this. This is, they're not doing it right. They're not doing it the way I like. And it's like, well, cool. It's not for you. So, you know, you, you learn to just kind of be like, fuck you, whatever, man. I don't care if you like this. Yeah, it's fine. It's not you, for me. It's not and, for and, by the, and by giving me the finger and letting me know how much you hate it, I'm really going to work harder to make you hate me more. Totally. So, you know, <laughs> what, <laughs> how do you want to do this? <laughs> totally. If you just, if you just, you lo- can make it easy on yourself or you can let me torture you. Either way, I'm having fun. Totally. I'm, I'm up here for another 35 minutes, bro. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. You best get used to it because it's going to get way more annoying. <laughs> totally, totally. And especially if you have the uh, 20 kids that are coming up to sing along and bumping you out of the way, that's that's also going to be rough. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. There was a lot of that. I mean, like, you know, that, that tour in particular, the Death Clock tour, like, that was, it, it was a high door price. You know, it, it, we were pretty out of place on that tour in regards to like the venues we were playing and stuff, but you know, high on fire and, and Mastodon were on that tour and we were friends with them and, and like, you know, kindred spirits in a lot of ways. But, you know, we also just, you know, like Mastodon puts on a big fucking awesome show with like video screens and, you know, high on fire. They're, you know, insanely have heavy and abrasive metal band. But like, if you're into metal, you can you can grasp high on fire pretty quickly and as soon as matt starts ripping a solo you're like oh fuck yeah i get this i'm into it you right, know right but with us it's like what is that <laughs> and yeah. so uh you know so like every night you know we might get like th- there might have been at, at a show where there was like 1500 anywhere from 1500 to 3000 people like there might have been 20 people there who actually were fans of our band right. if we were lucky. Totally. And so it was an uphill battle every night. And, you know, I, I remember like literally like maybe we'd get one person a night that would come up to us and be like, you know, I've never seen anything like that before. What like, 
holy shit, you know? Mm-hmm. And that, that made it worth it. It was like, Oh cool. All right. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we turn, can, be, we can turn to the dark side. Exactly. You can be that gateway band where they're like, Oh yeah, I'm going to start messing with all this stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, so that's kind of, with doing like support tours and, and playing all the festivals and shit like that. It's like, that's kind of the way we look at it. It's, you know, like we can, we can turn some people onto some shit, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Totally. It's like, yeah, when you just like live in your own bubble and you try to make yourself as comfortable as possible, like that's fine to exist in some of the time, but yeah, you have to get out there because you never know whose life. I mean, I know this sounds like total hyperbole and dramatic, but like, you don't know how a person's life can be affected and changed because they see one band. Oh, it's true. I mean, it's happened to me, you know, like I, and I guess to come full circle, like, that's why I feel an obligation to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Makes perfect sense. The, uh, the last thing I, uh, do I still have you? Nate? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Sorry. I thought it just got really quiet. Um, the, oh, uh, sorry. no, it's fine. The last thing I want to hit on was the, um, you know, now that you, you, you know, you're a dad, you have, you know, obligations at home from that perspective and, you know, clearly converge tours, not as, you know, comprehensive as you guys used to do, but you know, you're still very active. Um, you know, how, I guess, how is your relationship with like uh, touring and that, you know, obligation aspect of the band uh, kind of evolved over time? Like, do have you always liked touring and then like, you know, reached like low points and kind of evolved into this uh, spot where you're at? Or how, what's your, uh, I guess, opinion of tour at large, as it were? I've always loved touring. Um, you know, uh, other people fucking hate it and they do it like it's a necessary evil, but I love it. You know, I love playing live. I, even though I get stressed out, um, I love traveling. I love meeting people. You know, it's, I just, I don't like being stagnant. I don't like just being in in the same place for a long time. You know, and as I've gotten older, that's changed a bit, you know, now that, you know, my family has like a, a home and like a place where we feel comfortable and we like to be, but, um, yeah, I, I just love being on the road. Um, that said, having a family and trying to juggle those things is pretty difficult. And literally every time we go on tour, it's, you know, it's a different dynamic trying to figure out how we're going to make it work. Um, you know, my wife works full time and so it's, uh, it's difficult figuring out childcare and stuff like that, but you know, if you want to make it work, you figure out a way to make it work. Sure. Sure. Well, I'm saying, and then if you can't, and if you can't make it work, then you stop doing it. it. Totally. Totally. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm just surprised that, uh, you know, she has to work because you, you should be sitting on a mansion of, uh, converge millions, right? Oh yeah, totally. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Well, Nate, I honestly, I really appreciate you doing this, dude. This was super fun. And, uh, yeah, I appreciate you sharing. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me, man. How about that chat, right? Thank you very much, Nate, for coming on the show and sharing about yourself, sharing about uh, all that that I asked of you. So I appreciate that. And next week is another rad chat that I I knew maybe at some point this would happen, but uh, Norm Brandon, who uh, played guitar in Texas is the reason, he also did an incredibly influential zine to me and I know many other people called Antimatter. And uh, I hit him up. 
And he was like, yeah, let's do this. There are certain people who, like I said, I just, I, they're always perpetually on my list. And when I'm able to tick them off my list, it makes me really happy because Nate was one of them. And then Norm is another one. So real fun stuff heading into this holiday season. So that is next week. And like I always encourage you, and I genuinely do mean it, please be safe, everybody. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh. Hey, Miles. Yes. It's Jack from work. Yes. Hi. Did you know that we host a daily news and culture podcast where people can I go to get caught up know. on what is yes. happening? Are you? Yes. Are you confused about that? You're talking about the daily zeitgeist. I just to show to that make we do sure you knew and that everybody knew that you could listen to us every day, twice a day, talk about what is happening and they could learn everything without feeling the life drain from their soul. Yeah, I think at the Daily Zeitgeist, we like to give people a balance of just enough news that they feel informed and just enough laughs that they're not overwhelmed and can have a decent day after listening. So guys, listen to the Daily Zeitgeist on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are given away for free.